Good evening and welcome to the Business Buzz for your weekly dose of business, finance and economics news right here on VFM. That's 88.1, broadcasting live from our studios right here in Bramfontein, Johannesburg. My name is Mdiwa Mob, just discovers and I'll be your host for today. Now, who's to say that the world of business can't be entertaining? Definitely make sure you hold on to your seats as we seek to keep you entertained, educated and intrigued about the world of business. Now, before we get into the main topic, one of the big, um, you know, stories to come out business-wise this week um, has been uh, the stepping down uh, of ABSA CEO. Very interesting, uh, you know, development. A lot of people didn't expect it. And I think more than anything else, you know, what's been interesting on that front is uh, just the fact that you had someone like uh, Daniel Minele who recently came in, uh, you know, to step into that role, right? And um, according to the reports and the statements that came out of the bank, uh, the separation was caused by, quote-unquote, divergent professional views uh, and approaches related to its strategy and uh, culture transformation, the bank said, um, when the the news broke on Tuesday. Very shocking. And I think there are just two things, uh, you know, for me, uh, I'm not... uh, I'm not a bank expert, I'm not a bank analyst, and I'm not a banking executive, but just from the outside in, you know, it really does seem like an inopportune time uh, to have uh, the CEO of uh, of APSA stepping down, especially at a time, um, you know, when APSA has lost as much ground as it has, um, you know, in the local market, firstly, and especially when you look at the rise of other, you know, banking counterparts such as Capitec, uh, together with the digital banks such as time and uh, now you have discovery bank as well right so all of these competitors coming into the market it's no longer just about the big four it's about how do you compete um, you know right now and to have um, right now sitting at about the fourth uh, ceo in a space of two years uh, doesn't really bode well for investor confidence and that was reflected um, in the share price drop immediately after the announcement was made um, on tuesday uh, but the second one, I guess, is just about, um, I guess, culture versus a working strategy because I'm sure there's a certain way in which things have always been done at ABSA uh, and probably Daniel, uh, having been the Deputy Reserve Bank Governor, sort of had line of sight of what was going on at ABSA, but sort of from a high level. And in his gardening leave, after leaving the Reserve Bank and, you know, in that transition period, probably started seeing, you know, where some of the cracks internally were at Absa, and when he came in, there was likely a realization uh, that uh, the strategy in place or what was going on would not work, and that you know some things were going to have to change. It wasn't just a matter of uh, you know continuing uh, the strategy that was developed before. And I think he probably met a lot of resistance, you know, because of that. Uh, so it's very sad to see you know the man leave uh, because at the end of the day, when you look at the competitive landscape, it's hard to deny um, that uh, from a confidence point of view, it really doesn't bode well for Absa 
when you're competing uh, in an industry, at least amongst the big banks, uh, where you look at uh, the likes, um, you know, of Jacques at F&B, who's been there since 2013, 2014, uh, Sim Shabalala, been in place um, at uh, Standard Bank for, you know, almost a decade now. At the same time, you've got uh, people like Mike Brown, uh, who's probably been serving as, um, you know, the longest serving CEO of the big four banks. So, you know, looking at things from that point of view, succession planning is important and there's a big void that's been left at absent. We wait to see uh, what's going to happen on that front. Otherwise, for today, as we move into the show, we're going to be talking about the business of vaccines and uh, to help us to navigate through the topic, we're going to be hearing from uh, Professor uh, Jenny Rousseau, who is from Vitz Business School, together with Pilani Plongo, a fifth-year medical student at Vitz University, just to hear um, around what's actually going on on the side um, of the business of the vaccine. Otherwise, for the rest of the hour, we're going to be getting into the business wrap. Uh, that's when we get into the week's top trending business and economics news. And uh, you know, for today, we are going to be hearing from Zanele Kunene, and then we get into the Buffalo Index where we tell you the state of your 100 Rand. Now, remember that you can uh, get in touch with us, engage with us on everything that we're talking about. On Facebook, we have our FMO Voice of Vits. You can find our other Facebook page, that is Vits Radio Academy. On Twitter, we're at VARFM, and then our hashtag is hashtag Business Buzz. You can also stream the station live on VARFM.co.za, and remember that uh, you can find our podcasts on all the major platforms, that's Spotify, that's Apple Podcasts, together with uh, Google podcasts as well. Otherwise, you can head on over to iono.fm and uh, find our landing page for all our great content. So that's how the show is looking like. On the other side of this, we get into the business wrap. Gram Squad Vibes, I real thing. So follow, follow at VowFM on Instagram and light up your feed. Business Wrap with Zanele Kunen. In our business wrap, we give you the week's top trending business and economics news. And on the line, we are joined by uh, Zanele Kunene, who is uh, a financial advisor at BDO Wealth Advisors South Africa, to give us some insight into what's been happening in and around the economy. Zanele, good evening to you. Hello, hello. How are you doing, Midiwa? Now, doing all right on this end. What have you been keeping an eye on or, you know, what's interesting or what should our listeners be paying attention to at the moment? So at the moment, I've been noticing that quite a lot of um, people are moving into the gig economy. Apparently, that's what it's called. So we're having an uptake in a lot of freelancers. And having, I've been having quite a few conversations with them in terms of our client meetings. And I just thought it would be, this would be the great, uh, <laughs> my word, this would be <laughs> a really good platform <laughs> for me to share a couple of tips on people who are freelancers and things that they should consider, especially when it comes to personal financial management. These are things that have just been popping up um, within the conversations, and I think that it would be quite helpful. So let me get right into it. So my first tip if you're a freelancer would be to create an emergency fund. I know it's quite daunting, the idea of you building, um, you building an emergency savings account that is worth three to six months worth of your expenses. It's quite daunting, but you have to become, you know, a little bit creative about it. And this is what I've been telling people, be slightly creative about it. And um, an idea I could share with you is pay things forward, especially if you are renting. You already know how long you leases for how much you owe your landlord add a little extra every month when you're paying your when you're paying your um, rent so that by the eighth to ninth month 
all your income could be, you could use your income as a lump sum into your emergency fund, you know, you're just loosening up some funds. So that's the way you could do it. You could look at how much you qualify for in terms of your credit facility. I'm not saying go and get credit and go and apply for everything. Just find out how much you qualify for because you might qualify for an amount that is worth three to six months worth of your expenses and at least you know that there's somewhere where you can go if you do have an emergency. But in the meanwhile, keep on building up your um, emergency fund pockets. Just be a bit creative about it. It's not just about having money in one place it's about securing your whole um your, your life basically um the second tip that i, I really am um, a big believer in this one is to manage your risk all right manage your risk against income disability <laughs> manage your risk against i'm so sorry it's been a long week oh my word no um, worries no that- worries let's do this thing <laughs> Let's do this, let's do this. So the second tip is to manage your risk against um, sickness, illness, critical illness and that fact, as well as against disability, be it permanent or temporary, all right? And the reason why this is so important is you don't want to um, be in a, to be in a situation where any of these life events happen to you and you don't have any way to supplement, not even to supplement your income, but to meet your expenses. So a temporary income disability um, will pay up to zero to 24 months. A permanent disability will pay you from claim stage up until the age of 65. And your critical illness cover, that covers like your cancers, your heart attacks, and so forth, will pay out a lump sum. And it's important to get this, um, to understand that your income disability will pay a monthly income. And your severe uh, or critical illness cover will pay a lump sum out. All right, so it will help you to adjust your life the way it needs to be to pay off your home, pay off your car, or pay off any of those expenses. So the question must be, how does the insurer then determine what my income is? Because I'm a freelancer, I get money here, there, and everywhere. So what they will do is that they will look at your income for the past 12 months, all right? And then they will average that out. Some of them will average your um, sales against your cost for the past 12 to 36 months, depending on your insurer. They will look at your bank statements. They will look at your past returns. Just a quick note on your returns. I know some some freelancers think that they're not earning that much to register for their tax, but do register for tax, guys. There's a whole lot of benefits you're going to have to do because you and I both know that you are amazing, the universe is aligning, your clients are coming in, your business is going to grow, so you need to have a tax number to ensure that it does yes, grow. Yes, yes, so yes, we receive. Right thing. We receive. <laughs> and you're receiving. receiving. And yes. Receiving. <laughs> <laughs> and my third and final um, tip is build your retirement savings in a retirement savings vehicle. I know that there are plenty of vehicles out there. You've got Unitrust, you've got tax-free accounts, you've got all these vehicles there, but please do use a retirement savings vehicle, such as a retirement annuity. And this is why. It, within a retirement annuity, any growth that happens there cannot be taxed. Any growth will not be taxed, all right? So science is not going to come for you. Um, another thing is you can deduct how much you're contributing to your retirement annuity, okay? Um, and the limitations are as follows. You can contribute up to 27.5% of your taxable income 
or you can contribute 350,000, the lesser of the two. So imagine getting that deduction. Guys, you do want to participate. You do want to make sure that you are using these vehicles to increase your wealth, all right? And another reason why I'm saying use a retirement annuity is because it reinforces the purpose of this, uh, of why you are investing or why you are saving, because you will not be able to access those funds up until the age of 55. So it's reinforcing the purpose, it's keeping you disciplined, and you're also getting a tax deduction because all of us are going to register and we're going to do the right thing. We're going to be law-abiding citizens. And those are my three top tips if you are a freelancer. And if you want to, like, um, expand on this conversation, do get in contact with me on my LinkedIn page or check out our BDO South Africa website. We've got some amazing content that you guys can pull from over there. Um, Zanele, actually, before we let you go, uh, I was actually uh-huh. a freelancer, you know, for some time, and I actually still do engage here and there. And uh, one of the things that, uh, you know, I think is an interesting one, and maybe you might have some tips for us, um, is some people will register a company, you know, through which, they're, you know, if you do work and you have clients, your money will go there. Some people stay as just, you know, themselves when they're doing all of this work. Um is there, are there any benefits or, you know, disadvantages or is it pretty much the same thing? So there's the advantages and disadvantages to how you register, register as a taxpayer. So you could either be a sole proprietor, a company. I'm not, I don't think it's CC anymore, but you could register um, as a, uh, you could, could register different types of a tax of a taxpayer, but you also need to be aware of the disadvantages and advantages, which will be suitable to your position. Um, so that's very important for you to have a conversation with your tax consultant, and you'll be able to see which advantages and disadvantages, uh, or which, um, or which, t- uh, or which registration, or which tax. You, which, what is happening with my English today? <laughs> I have no idea. I'll help but you out. I think you're about to say was uh, which tax registration is suitable for you. Exactly. You'd be able to see which one, which one suits you. And also as a freelancer, there are some clients that you have that will probably withhold 25% of the income that, or 25% of how much they are paying you. So that 25% at least shows you that you are paying something forward to SAS. So when you are, when you do have to submit your things, at least you have paid something forward. You know, you don't have to now, do, you know, work out this huge calculation of how much you owe them. So do register for tax and find out which um, registration would suit your business um, and place you in a better position. So that's been it uh, with uh, Zanele Kunene, who is uh, our financial planner from BDO Wealth Advisors, giving us some insight into one of the growing trends um, in and around the market, and that is um, gig economy work. I think I remember seeing um, a report that came out. I need to be correct, but I think it was out of old mutual, um, and they were saying that about 23% of South Africans, so that's one in four uh, South Africans, you know, roughly are participating now in the gig economy, and it's been on the rise in the last year especially because um, people haven't uh, have been losing their jobs uh, so that uh, you know finding work to do uh, people have been finding other ways of supplementing their income so very important one to have on the other side of this we get into the state of your 100 rand in our buffalo index business wrap with sanele kunene 
the Buffalo Index on the Business Buzz. In our Buffalo Index, we seek to tell you the stake of your the state of your 100 rand. And uh, for today, we are looking at the cost of vaccines because the show is about the business of vaccines. And uh, for today, because of that, we looked at some of the top vaccines. As you know, uh, the COVID-19 at, uh, vaccine at the moment is um, free, you know, for most people, depending on what country you're in. But in South Africa, uh, that is the state of affairs. But for other types of vaccines, right, the most requested uh, vaccines, it's Teams um, are the yellow fever vaccine. If you've ever found yourself traveling to regions such as East Africa, you definitely um, always need to have that, and that's going to set you back about seven buffaloes or 680 rand. Uh, the other common vaccine that people are getting is the influenza vaccine or uh, the flu shot, as some people call it, and uh, that's coming in for about one buffalo. So it means your 100 rand uh, can get you a shot um, on that vaccine because that's coming in. The at about 95 rand. Uh, there are a range of different vaccines out there, uh, but uh, some of the most notable ones, especially on the high end, um, the most expensive being the shingles vaccine, and that's going to set you back about 19 buffaloes or 1,863 rand. Some other notable ones is that uh, hepatitis A, uh, the A and B combo is about five buffaloes or 400 rand. And then the other one that's interesting is that, uh, you know, the one for HPV is another one that's for 10 buffaloes or a thousand rands. So that's been it. On the other side of this, we get into the main topic. The Business, Business Buzz with Mudiwa Mokshastas Kabaza. It's time for us to get into our main topic. As I said at the start of the show for today, we are talking about uh, the business of vaccines because that is the big thing at the moment. Um, we've had, uh, you know, people like uh, Dr. Zuelim Kiza who has confirmed uh, that the rollout of the Johnson Johnson vaccine uh, that was announced, um, you know, earlier this year, earlier, uh, earlier this week, I think, will resume. Uh, this uh, comes after the suspension of the rollout uh, after an alleged blood caught caused uh, by the vaccine. So for today, we're going to be uh, looking at the role of business on the side of the vaccine. And to start things off, we are joined uh, by uh, Jenny Rousseau, who is a professor of economics and uh, head of the School of Economics and uh, Business Sciences at the University of uh, the Vit of Waters Rand, that is Vit's University. Uh, Prof, greetings to you. Good evening. Good evening to the listeners. And for the record, let me just state that I've now moved on. I'm now a professor at Fitz Business School. Professor at Vitz Business School, thank you so much for that, um, and uh, we do acknowledge that uh, that correction. Um, I think a good place for us to start then is how would you rate uh, the growth um, at the moment in the pharmaceutical industry uh, before the pandemic hits, and how do you sort of see it now? You know, because they really seem to be um, at the fore. It's just one of those things that we can't, uh, you know, deny or you know run away from at the moment. Yes, indeed, we see growth in the pharmaceutical industry. We see the development of new vaccines. You've mentioned the shingles vaccine, for instance. So there are new vaccines being developed. And, of course, the pharmaceutical industry will grow as the population grows because there are more people with a growing population in need for the services of the pharmaceutical industry. 
And the country, you know, will need a lot of money to, you know, if they want to speed up the rollout. Do you think that um, at the moment there is enough funding and, you know, should there be a proposal to be increasing taxes how do you think um you know the government has been coping uh, when it comes to this because uh, we do understand that uh, the country is our under a lot of financial strain uh there's been you know a lot of revisions to the budgets you know under collection and all of that um can we afford to be inoculating the population you make a very, very valid point. We must remember that nothing is free in any economy. What is free, what is free to one person is simply paid for by another group of people or by someone else. Our government finances are unfortunately under a lot of strain owing to the mismanagement of the country under the Zuma administration. And for years under the Zuma administration, economic growth was lower than the population growth. So on a per capita basis, all South Africans became poorer. Now, the government in the end has to make choices. And unfortunately, our government is making the wrong choices. To give you one example, the government is using funds to keep SAA as an airline because it's a vanity project of the ANC government. And all the funds that's been pumped into SAA could have been used for things like vaccines, could have been used for things like uh, subsidized education for students at universities, etc. So our government, with limited funds, makes wrong policy choices. The government should have closed SAA five or six years ago, would have released a lot of money for things like vaccines, education, etc. Incidentally, recently the government has reallocated funds from education to help SAA. It certainly does sound, you know, from what you're saying, that as taxpayers, we are the ones that end up footing the bill uh, for, you know, as you've described, uh, some of the faltering, um, some of the faults that come from uh, bad policy decisions and implementation thereof uh, from that end. A bit on the positive, do you think, you know, outside of, of, of actually funding the vaccine, if people do, you know, get vaccinated, does that help us in any way when it comes to, I guess, job creation, opening up more, and I guess just getting more and more economic activity going? Yes, indeed. Vaccination is always exemplary in the sense that the more healthy population will put less pressure on the health resources of the government. And through vaccination, less people will fall ill. Hence, a more healthy population, more people will be able to work. Please, I must add, if they can find work. And at the same time, there will be less pressure on the uh, health infrastructure in South Africa because uh, ill people, sick people need uh, health services. And the other one, I guess, just as an extension to, uh, you know, that question, you know, where do you sort of see um, some of that activity happening? Because we started off the conversation talking about uh, the pharmaceutical industry. So if, you know, if one is creating jobs, is it uh, sort of more towards those types of industry or sort of, I I guess, clawing back what was already lost and sort of uh, the people that were in mining or maybe manufacturing getting those jobs back online? Well, we need jobs over 
big spectrum in South Africa. We uh, need all possible jobs that we can get because we need South Africans employed on an urgent basis. There's no doubt about that. And in order to do this, the government must go on a process of less regulation in the economy, making it easier for business to operate in South Africa, thus creating necessary jobs for South Africans. We cannot have a situation where we expect the government to do everything or to control everything. I often get the feeling that the government wants to control, regulate everything, and when it stops moving, it wants to start subsidizing it. It's a wrong economic model. The government should allow much more space for the private sector and specifically for entrepreneurs. Um, speaking of uh, the private sector and the market, um, there are plans to have uh, some of the vaccines being produced locally in South Africa, and you know all things be equal and market forces, um, you know, allowing. Would you see that type of situation perhaps making it a bit cheaper, you know, for the country to actually inoculate its population as opposed to uh, the importing that is currently being done? Well, uh, I've not seen price comparisons, so it's difficult to speculate on whether it will be cheaper or not, but it will be positive for our economy to produce vaccines here, because certainly it will lead to more investment in our economy, and certainly it will result in more employment in our economy. And I'm all for employment in our economy. We need to get employment opportunities for South Africans. So irrespective of a possible price differentiation or difference between important local vaccines, the positive aspect is that producing locally will create jobs locally. All right. No, thank you so much. That was us uh, with uh, Professor uh, Jenny Rousseau, who is from uh, Vitz Business School, giving us some insight into some of the economics uh, that are driving the vaccine in and around South Africa. Just highlighting what's going on um, on that front, saying that uh, there are better ways in which the government could be spending its money, for example, instead of trying to save or subsidize um, South African airways, for example, we could be pouring that type of money into things like vaccine and instead of taking money out of uh, things like education there's so much more that the country could be doing so policymakers really do need to um, come to the fore when it comes to this front and he just ends off talking about what's going on in terms of manufacturing uh, saying that you know it would be possible but a list of prices uh, would have to be released for us to make a fair assessment just around whether or not local production of the vaccine will result in actually uh, cheaper prices being realized uh, by consumers because at the end of the day, like he said at the beginning, someone is a paying. On the other side with this, we continue with the show. This is The Business Buzz. COVID Biz Watch on, on The Business Buzz. In our COVID business watch, we look at the impact of COVID-19 on businesses in and around South Africa. Uh, You know, for today, we are happy to be joined on the line uh, by Tsekho Fatso Motswai, who is the co-founder or co-owner of Urban Nature. Um, And uh, we're just going to be hearing about that. Uh, They are a black female-owned and run business specializing in customized gifts, uh, mainly wallets, wood watches, and um, sunglasses. So, uh, Tsefafazo, greetings to you. 
Hi, how are you? No, 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 doing all right on this end. Uh, thank you so much for being with us. We just want to understand uh, the effect of uh, COVID on your business and maybe uh, beginning by understanding what lessons, you know, from a business point of view, have you actually learned um, from operating your business during COVID-19? Okay, uh, thank you for having us. Yeah? The biggest lesson was our presence online. Um, this before COVID, we were online, but we, we didn't have that much presence. So with not being able to do markets or events, we, we really had to, to leave a footprint. Uh, we had to engage more online. We ended up even setting up an online store just to attract new customers. And the other one is because of those lessons that you've learned, you said that you now have that online presence. Uh, do you think it's going to help or has it helped your business to thrive? And do you think it will help your business to thrive um, in the future and going forward? It, it really has helped us to, to thrive better than before. Because remember now with lockdown, everybody was home. People were on their phones more. There, there was no going to work, uh, people, not everybody was working from home. Yeah, both. So it, it gave us an opportunity for, for people to get to know us, to get to know about us and what we actually do as a company. Um, for people that, uh, you know, are perhaps thinking about their own businesses and how their experiences have been, you know, through COVID-19. Um, how, how are you thinking about that? Like, what would you have done differently? Because you've told us what you learned, but like, what would you have done differently? Had you, you know, if you had an opportunity to do it all again? Okay. Uh, the thing was, was the initial lockdown, the first five months, the, the struggle for us was getting the, the product into the country. <clears throat> Excuse me, we are not an essential service. So gifting was not prioritized. So we were actually only running with the stock that we had on hand. When when we ran out, that's when business got slow for us. Up until around August, September, when the ports were opening, we could actually get parts. But prior to that, we were struggling. We were only selling what we had on hand. So had we known, we would have uh, bulk stock. Yeah, boom. We would have gotten more and then more prepared. But none of us, small or big companies, would have foreseen what the pandemic have, has done actually on all of us. Um, you've already, you know, highlighted, you know, just now um, about, uh, you know, the fact that no one could have prepared for any of this. And that's perhaps something that could be seen as a low and that you think being online is probably going to be something that helps you to thrive in future. Um, from your point of view, what other good has sort of come out of uh, Corona uh, virus, if any? Okay. Uh, like I said, uh, online presence. Um finding a new way to, to get exposure for our company. Uh, we've linked up with uh, big brands, two brands, uh, so that expanded our market. Uh, we took on TikTok as well. Uh, it wasn't anything before the pandemic, uh, but now we, we've established a whole account there, and it's bringing us a different customer base. Remember? So the importance with, with, with COVID is making sure that people know about you. Um, diver- diversify your, your, your service, whatever service you are, you are, you are affording the, the people. 
make sure that you can even uh, do it during a pandemic. If if if, if you're uh, one trip pony, you're gonna suffer. Uh, a lot of companies have closed down because they were only focusing on on one thing. We we had to do chandeliers. Uh, um, we had to move from from only customized watches and wallets when we ran out. We had to think of other things that people can give or decorate with in house. We we introduced the clocks for for the walls. Uh, so yeah, that's what what we really learned. You know, I like the fact that, uh, you know, as a gifting business, you've spoken about uh, bringing in TikTok because I'm trying to I'm trying to think in my head how exactly you guys are using TikTok. Uh, so for people that are, you know, that are listening, how can they find you guys on social media? And uh, if they do come to your TikTok page, what can they expect to see? Okay, uh, with, with TikTok, I, I had to learn this uh, as well. Um, you, I, what, I, what I do is I searched uh, a trending song and I made a video of what we've done before. So people, when, when they search a trending song, they would click, they would uh, come across one of our videos and they would see the work that has been done. There are prices there. Uh, there are different varieties of the products that we offer. On TikTok, on TikTok it's Teho or at Nature. On Facebook, it's uh, at Nature Lion Time Pieces. On Instagram, it's at Nature Lion Time Pieces. On WhatsApp, it's 83 so that's been us uh, with uh, Kofatso Motswai, who is the co-owner of Urban Nature. They are a uh, a business specializing in customized gifts, mainly wallets, uh, wood watches, and sunglasses, giving us some insight uh, on our COVID business watch about running her business uh, through this pandemic. On the other side of this, we continue our conversation around vaccines. This is the Business Buzz. More justice on the Business Buzz. It's time for us to continue our show. Remember that you can keep in touch with us during the conversation. Um, you know, what do you think about vaccines? Are you getting vaccinated? Are you an anti-vaxxer? Where do you stand on things like that? On Facebook, we have RFM or Voice of Vits. Our other Facebook page um, is a Vits Radio Academy. And on Twitter, we're at VARFM. And then our hashtag is hashtag business buzz. It's time for us uh, to continue then. And uh, now we're going to be hearing from Pilani um, Plongo, who is a fifth year medical student at uh, Vitz University and uh, you know this is someone who's actually had the vaccination right uh, this is always fascinating because we talk about the business uh, we talk about all the issues around it but then what is the actual process like um, on the ground Pilani greet you, uh, good evening to you good evening good evening how are you doing Ah uh, no no doing all right on this end. I think for us, uh, you know, just to get the ball rolling, right? Uh, how what was the actual experience like um, when it came to um, getting vaccinated? Uh, you know, did you did you get did you get sick? Did you have headaches? Did you have to take a day off? Like, what was all of that like? Okay, so um, I first want to explain when I start, when I got my uh, vaccine. I got vaccinated on the 1st of March this year. The process was uh, straightforward. I applied with the Department of Health and then I got an SMS that was detailing me how I'm going to proceed with my vaccination. I got vaccinated at Charlotte McClary Hospital and it was actually faster than I 
thought it would happen. So um, there, after getting vaccinated, the nurses actually uh, allow you to stay for about 15 minutes when they uh, monitor you if uh, you have any uh, immediate reaction or side effects to the vaccine. And if you don't have any symptoms in 15 minutes, they allow you to let you go. I personally didn't uh, have any symptoms. Um, I just felt a little bit of soreness the way I got the vaccine, which was <laughs> nothing to me. However, my friends were complaining that they were feeling a little bit tired, but not a major side effect. And I also saw one patient who actually came uh, where I was uh, working for my clinical uh, rotation and said that uh, she actually is a nurse and she got um, the vaccine and she was she felt busy as soon as she got the vaccine but and the business was not going away so yeah but that is the only case uh, that I know so far um, I didn't ha- get any side effects and I also haven't heard of any uh, drastic side effects here in South Africa, like uh, any clotting uh, that people uh, have got because of getting the vaccine. Um, I guess from your point of view then, because of uh, the process you've just walked us through, um, we also want to get a sense of, are you? did you take a one shot or did you take a two shot? I took a one shot. Um, the Johnson & Johnson is a one-shot vaccine. It's, uh, I think it's the AstraZeneca one that is the one that you have to come again and get a shot. The Johnson & Johnson one is uh, just a one-shot vaccine. Okay. And I also put one shot. Now, I like the fact that, you know, uh, there's a couple of things, you know, you know, working for us in this conversation, because on the one hand, you're an actual medical student. So you have science backing up your uh, your thoughts around the vaccine. Uh, but at the same time, you're someone who's who's gone through the process uh, for the people that are still a little bit skeptical out there about efficacy is are my limbs going to fall off that type of thing. What do you have to say in response? Okay, I just want to say a few things. Most of the things that people um, are scared of are things that people uh, read on social media and those things are posted by people on social media who do not have uh, proof, if I can say that, or any, um, yeah, I can just say proof of uh, what they are saying. They will come with uh, multiple theories. They'll tell you that uh, this vaccine is from the devil, triple six. They'll <laughs> tell you how this is about a new world order, how... And they'll just post unrelated photos and say these photos are of people who got the vaccine, which is absolutely not true. And the people sometimes, uh, they believe those things, and they're actually not true. I just want I just want to explain a few things. Uh, when a vaccine is created, it is not just like you just you don't just wake up and say, "Here is a vaccine, take it." It passes multiple stages. It first there is a development stage that it has to pass the preclinical trials, the human trials, the licensing, the manufacturing, and then the distribution at the end. And in all these uh, phases, the, the vaccine very serious tests are done to make sure that at least limited side effects can be 
can happen due to uh, uh, the vaccine. But uh, the vaccine is there, is tested a lot, and it's not just given out to the people. And I also want to explain a few things. In science, generally, there is no such thing as 100% zero side effects. Uh. It's all about risk. You know, I have a friend who, who is uh, very, very allergic to aspirin. The very same aspirin that you go to, uh, to the spaza shop and then you buy it. She is very allergic to it and it can be lethal. My point is that everything in science, whether it is medication, it can have side effects at the end of the day. There is no 100% safe. But it's all about looking at those side effects, how drastic they are, and what is even uh, the probability of those uh, uh, side effects happening. Right now, uh, even this, um, you know, the vaccine that they, they, they stopped the rollout temporarily because it causes, like, those clots. Right now, at this current rate, you still have higher chances of getting clots when you're taking contraceptives, actually, than when you take this vaccine. And it's not only this vaccine only that uh, can give side effects. There are lots of other vaccines out there that can give you side effects. But those side effects are not like scrutinized the way the COVID-19 vaccine side effects are scrutinized. So my point at the end of the day, I just want to say that there is no such thing as 100% safe. Obviously, there will always be side effects, but don't be scared. Look at the probability of those side effects happening before you can even say, uh, no, I'm taking this vaccine or I'm not taking this vaccine. And also look at the, uh, the risk to benefit ratio. You know, I like the fact that uh, in giving us those very comprehensive and succinct points, because I sort of felt like I, I was in my in my high school biology class for a moment there. Uh, so really appreciate you just um, explaining all of those things to us point by point. Uh, but before we end off, uh, because you are a medical student, I can imagine that a time like this, um, going through the pandemic, um, can either be seen as an amazing amazing opportunity uh, to sort of learn at least from an epidemiological point of view you know about diseases and care you know this is really throwing someone into the deep end right but at the same time someone might actually be scared about what it means to be on the front line even though you know you are still a student so you know how have you managed that aspect uh to be in the front line yes Oh, yeah, no, to be in the front line, it's, it's actually uh, great, uh, of course, because you know that you are, you are in the front line trying to, in the fight uh, against uh, this uh, pandemic that has caused everything to be on the standstill. Um, I was a little bit concerned uh, due to um, the debt rate which kept on going high and mm. you know that we've been getting uh, new uh, waves like the first wave was I think in July last year the second wave was in January this year and I think we are going to a third wave and also um, you, uh, if you remember 
like there is a new variant that was found here in South Africa, and according to reports, that, that variant was uh, a bit more had the potential to be more contagious, if I can say. So all those things, uh, of course, they will um, shake you here and there, but um, at the end of the day, it's what we signed up for. And given the, also the, for the fact that you are, I already have the vaccine, I'm even more confident and I'm just ready to, and I'm willing to continue fighting uh, the, 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 the coronavirus. And I'm actually like grateful that a lot of other health workers have been uh, getting the vaccine. And I actually hope that the rest of the population uh, can actually uh, get the vaccine as soon as possible. And I feel like once we all get the vaccine, actually it, there's a higher chance for us to, for life to go back to normal because right now we all can agree that life is not normal pre and during the COVID. Not at all. We are all hoping for that. Uh, one quick thing before we go, your thoughts just on the actual rollout, right? Do you, uh, because you are encouraging people to go out and get vaccinated, um, what have you thought about the rollout so far? So many estimates saying we aren't uh, vaccinating enough people. Um, so many things say, you know, at the same time, some of the doubts, etc. But the rollout on the ground, your thoughts? The rollout for us uh, um, as uh, health students and health science students and health workers, I feel like it was more efficient uh, uh, because uh, obvious we are not as much as the general population. However, uh, I do feel that maybe there will be a little bit of delay when the whole population uh, is being vaccinated. And given the fact that, uh, you know, these things are handled by the government and a lot of people no longer have uh, faith in the government. But for now, the, the, gov- the, the, the minister is saying that uh, he's getting ready for the massive rollout of the vaccine and everything is going to be fine. I hope it, it is like that. Actually, we will see when it gets there, when like the majority of the population has to get vaccinated. But uh, for now, it's hard to tell if how it's going to happen and if it's going to happen according to plan or there will be any delays. But for us right now, for me speaking, uh, right now everything really went fine. And I really hope that it happens like that when the whole population is being vaccinated. So that's been it. Thank you so much to Pilani Mplongo, who is a fifth-year medical student at Wits University, giving us um, his take just around vaccine rollouts, uh, but more importantly, his experience um, actually getting the vaccine. You know, he said that it was a very simple process, went, applied with the department, and then he just went and he got his shot. He got the Johnson & Johnson one, and he says that, um, you know, some initial fears, uh, but, uh, you know, at least, you know, having been a medical student, on the front lines are uh, going through COVID but when it comes to the vaccine he's just saying guys the science is backing things up they wouldn't just be giving you know people this thing um, if it hadn't go th- gone through stages um, you know verification but also uh, giving us that caveat that you know nothing is ever going to have a hundred percent with nothing um, on the side of side effects so that's been it on the other side of this we come to the end of the show the, the business 
Thank you so much to everyone who joined in the show. Thank you to our special guests. Thank you to, uh, to thank you to Prof. Jenny earlier on. Uh, thank you so much to Pilani for sharing their insights just around the business uh, of vaccinations, just looking into the economic uh, consequences and uh, considerations when it comes to vaccinating um, in South Africa. I think, you know, on my end, when someone actually sits down and does the math, um, the cost of actually vaccinating the whole of South Africa is not that deep when you consider how much money was lost in terms of uh, tax collections last year, uh, sin taxes, especially sin taxes um, on alcohol and tobacco just because of the lockdown, right? And uh, just by calculations, I think um, I once ran a simple back-of-the-napkin type of calculations, and I think I calculated that it would cost South Africa about 20 or so billion rand uh, to vaccinate the whole country, but uh, that was sort of based on preliminary um, prices that had been given out about the different vaccines that are out there and when you consider how much debt um, an organization like ESCOM has and when you think about things like that then it sort of makes sense that um, the country could probably afford to do uh, vaccinations for free uh, sort of as they have been but uh, the point that uh, the prof was making earlier on is very important that in uh, divvying out uh, the scarce resources of the country it's very important for policymakers uh, to make decisions that are going to benefit uh, the country as a whole. If you're uh, so, if you're someone who's going to go and get vaccinated, you know, more power to you. If not, uh, then, uh, you know, people's feelings are valid about all of these things. Um, if you're waiting to see, you know, how things go, um, I, I completely understand how things are. Uh, but just with the way that things are going, in the same way that we see uh, flights and travel to places like East Africa being dependent on getting a vaccine it's very likely that uh, the so-called vaccine passports are going to be a key way that people are traveling in and around the world so vaccines they're here to stay and we're just going to see how those rollouts actually happen so that's been it for today. Thank you so much to everyone who's been listening. Remember that you can keep in touch with us uh, on Facebook. We have VARFM or Voice of Vits. Our other Facebook page is Vits Radio Academy. On Twitter, we're at VARFM. And then our hashtag is hashtag business buzz. Remember that you can find our great content on vits.journalism.co.za forward slash business. So with that, we've reached the end of tonight's show. Thank you so much to our amazing team. Our technical producer is Kutlano Serame uh, together with uh, our producer producer that is Gloria Mabuza uh, as well as Slin Lemusibi uh, Tando Klimba together with Sia Wonga Mota don't miss the business bar same time same place next week for more insight into the world of business don't turn that down there's more great content coming up on the VOW FM lineup uh, we've got uh, Noni Kumalo coming up next with Love Good Music so from myself Mudeo Mob Justice Gavaza and the rest of the team it is take care the Business, business Bus with Mudiwa Mob Justice Gabaza. The Business Bus Podcast.